The Knicks lost another heartbreaker to the Nets on Monday night, and they've dropped to the eighth seed in the East. Should we be concerned about this team? Do they have enough firepower down the stretch to avoid being in the play-in tournament? Also, we have a Sal story on the day John Sarks returned to Madison Square Garden as a member of the Warriors and producer Jake's shooting debacle at MSG. Plus, just how bad was JYD from downtown in his career? We'll go inside the doghouse on his prowl for the playoffs. All that and more coming up next on Big Apple Buckets from the New York Post. Welcome back to Big Apple Buckets, our New York Knicks podcast from the New York Post. I'm your host, Sal Licata, alongside my co-host, former Knicks and NBA big man, Jerome the Junkyard Dog Williams. What's up, JYD? Make sure you subscribe to Big Apple Buckets wherever you get your podcast. But please give us a nice five-star review or five-star rating. Write a nice review, whichever you like, on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate your continued support. And look, the Knicks right now need some support. JYD, unfortunately... They seem to be sinking, coming off of another heartbreaking loss on Monday to Brooklyn. And let's start there before we get into where the Knicks are in the standings and their chances moving forward and really the week in review since we last left you on Tuesday. And it's been a rough one, you know, losing that game to Minnesota, which they cannot lose under any circumstance. The return of Porzingis, they smoked the Pistons, but then lose the heartbreaker last night. You could just see it, JYD. And I want to get your thoughts on, you know, former player perspective as far as wanting to beat one specific opponent. You could just see it, how dejected, how frustrated they were to a man coming up short again against their rivals, the team they're tired of hearing about, the big three with the Brooklyn Nets, although Harden left the game early with a hamstring injury. Kyrie Irving lit him up. We know no Kevin Durant. So even without the big three, the Nets still giving the Knicks fits. They sweep them on the year. Two games that come down to the wire, both times the Knicks falling short. It looked, JYD, like they were frustrated, not only with the loss, but specifically losing again to their rival, the Brooklyn Nets. It was always tough. This is a rivalry. New York stand up. I mean, this is Brooklyn versus everybody. They went to the well and stacked their deck with LaMarcus Aldridge addition, Blake Griffin addition. They already had James Harden. They already had Kyrie Irving. They already had Kevin Durant, who's, you know, obviously been injured most of the year. So by adding those other guys to that already stacked roster is deflating. And and it's and it's also motivating as well. As you can see, Nick's playing hard. It's coming down to the wire, but it's it just adds that extra level of frustration because you know when you look at the numbers and from our standpoint, our front court, Nerlens Noel, twenty one minutes, you know six and five, and then you have Taj Gibson, twenty five minutes, you know six and six. And when you look over at the other side, LaMarcus Aldridge played 28 minutes and he had eight and six. And then you got Blake Griffin, who didn't really get out there, but he's sitting over there on the sideline salivating. You know, the front court is just where 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 we're getting where we're getting the 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 bulk of, I would say, that's where the energy needs to lie. Um, you know, from those type of players who not, you know, not saying they did a bad job. 
I'm just saying from a standpoint of of where the Knicks are, if one of those guys could have like breakout games and give you double digits, that could be something that'll get us over the hump. Well, specifically, they were bad again on the offensive board. Second chance points, you can't allow that. They have a big lead. They turn the ball over the second chance points and the Nets are just too good. And the Nets made a big run with their bench against the Knicks. So that was a big problem. But then you get a guy like Kyrie Irving that comes into the game and you just can't stop him. I mean, he's as smooth a player as I've ever seen in the league. But JYD, you have a team like the Knicks. You know, going into the game, the Knicks were saying that they're tired of hearing about the big three. They have a big five or they have a big 15. Those are the quotes from Julius Randle, from Reggie Bullock. And you just know that there are certain teams, I'm sure you had this more when, you know, you were playing. There were certain teams you want to beat more than others. And this was one. And R.J. Barrett, I just want to be after the game. I just want to be on the other side, on the winning side of it. The frustration from losing to that team specifically, regardless whether they're fully healthy or not, regardless of how it happened, losing to them again, getting swept, that has to eat at the Knicks team, who is the prominent team in New York, regardless of how good the Nets are, although we know the Nets have championship aspirations. I didn't even see this. I guess there was a quote from Julius Randle's son saying that he hates the Nets. I mean, that you can tell watching Randall, R.J. Barrett, everybody really, but those two in particular, the two you know leaders of this team, you can tell that they just wanted to do it. They feel the pressure of the city. They know how important it is. It's one of the first times in a while that I've watched the team and felt like it's more important to the Knicks to beat the Nets than it is for the Knicks fans to beat the Nets. And, and you, they really are wearing it. But that aside, they get swept by the Nets. The Nets you know, are going to go on and try to get healthy and try to get their big three back together, although who knows what's going to happen now with Harden leaving with the hamstring injury. KD, we still haven't seen return. Kyrie, even though he's great, can go AWOL at any moment. But they go on their way and try to win a championship. The Knicks, JYD, trying to hang on here to a playoff spot. 25 and 26. They are the current eighth seed in the league in the Eastern Conference. 21 games to go. We got five wins to go to Sizzler. You're looking at the schedule here. You know, it doesn't get any easier. I know the next four may be where the Knicks are looking at Boston, which is a team that they're going to be right there with in the Eastern Conference standings. Friday night, home against Memphis, a game they got to win. Sunday against the Raptors, a game they got to win. And then Monday against the Lakers. We talk about the games they got to win. You look back in the last week. When they lose a game to Minnesota, you know that that's a problem because they're not good enough to beat the teams like Brooklyn or, you know, we'll see what happens with the Lakers. We know they're not 100%. But you look at the better teams that are on their schedule the rest of the way, JYD. The thing that this team has done so well is beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. So anytime they don't do that, that is a devastating, deflating loss here. Your thoughts on how this team looks here recent weeks? They've been bad, again, losing, you know, what, four or five here, uh, starting to sink a little bit. They're there game-wise in the standings, but you could just get the feeling this team's starting to sink. They didn't add the reinforcements that they needed at the trade deadline, so we knew it was going to be a little bit of an issue. You think this team has enough here to hang on and still contend for a top six spot in the Eastern Conference? Well, top six might be a little bit of a stretch just from the mere fact that looking at the numbers and uh, the records that these teams have in the scheduling, it's going to be tough. Right now, they're staring down the face of, you know, Boston, Memphis. Those are two teams that are obviously battling in their own right for any type of playoffs hopes that they have, as well as following a that up with the Raptors, basically just trying to cling to any hope that they might have. Those are three quality teams. They're not bottom of the basement. These guys are these guys are quality teams that are going to be 
in the hunt for playoffs and it's do or die time. You know, we talked about 30 wins. We talked about that in the beginning of the season, 30 wins for steak dinner. That's basically what the number is. So it comes down to these last few weeks hammering it home. I mean, we are in April right now and April is the month, you know, to get it done. Either you're going to get it done or you're not. You got to really, you know, be dialed in every night. The good thing is there is a pretty much a, a one day break in between every game. So we're you know, it's no back-to-backs, but in this stretch, they're going to have to really hammer home whether or not they want to get this playoff thing off and get the legs up underneath of them. Yeah, I don't think we're worried at all, guys, now the 30 wins. And, yeah, like we said, the problem is they're not beating teams that are 500 or better, and that's what it comes down to. When you truly break down the schedule, 12 home, 9 away, 21 games, 15 of the 21 against teams 500 or better. Six of those 12 games are coming in a six-game homestand, the 18th through the 28th coming up. What can doom them? And while they have a nice lead to be in the top 10 right now is a six-game road trip, West Coast teams, five of the six against you know playoff teams, to begin the month of May. Now, listen, they have a, a big enough lead, four and a half games ahead of those Raptors as the 11th seed. So you're pretty comfortable, but you lose five of six on a road trip, Toronto gets hot, and the Knicks missed the playoffs. Now, you know, we, we know, you know, our guy Schmielk, uh, Sal at, at the fan, he kind of broke down the schedule and talked about, you know what, this team misses the playoffs, it's still a good season. I disagree. I think you're so all in right now on this team making the playoffs and how the excitement of bringing the Garden back to the playoffs that you're not thinking of, oh, fun season. We won 32 games, but we didn't make the playoffs. You're not thinking of that. And I'm also not thinking of the play-in because the play-in is like when the hot girl replies to your DM, but you have no chance of meeting her. You get in, but you lose two of the games, and you're done. That's how I compare it to. You make the play-in tournament, it's all good and grand, but it's over in three days. You want to be in that top six where you're best of seven series in the first round. You want that gritty JYD. You've been in it. You played. You were in a best of five series in your day. Now it's best of seven. No more best of fives and no more best of threes. I want Knicks best of seven, two or three home games at the Garden. And if they're seven, eight, nine, or ten, there's a chance we only get one game at the Garden Memorial Day time. Well, the, the expectations change, right? So going into the year, you'd say, wow, top 10 team, you'd take that. And I think we did, as a matter of fact, say that as long as they're a top 10 team and they should be with Thibodeau in his first year, you'd take that. But during the year, the way that everything's played out, no question you want a top six seed. And I agree with producer Jake. There's a big difference of knowing you're getting into a legitimate series or having to have a play-in to get into a legitimate series. Problem is they don't stack up. I mean, that's the issue. There's no question. It would be a devastating blow to not make the top 10. And I understand what Schmelk is trying to say as far as the Knicks having a successful season, big picture without making the postseason. Although at this point, it would be a major disappointment. And to not have those guys have that experience in the postseason, that would be a failure. And you know what? It'd be a failure on the part of the organization for not doing enough at the deadline or you know, with waiver moves, with guys who were released, whatever, picking people up to get this team there. I know they've been unlucky with some injuries, but they have to have that playoff experience now because next year you want them to take a significant step. So 500 or around 500 may look good, but at the end of the year, uh, I think you make a top six seed 
that is exceeding all expectations. That, to me, would be a win. Anything short of that at this point would be somewhat disappointing. And you want to be JYD in South 7 or 8, because remember, 9 or 10, you have to win twice, I believe it is. 7 or 8, you only have to win one of those games. So there's a better chance that they could slide in 7 or 8. But it's getting dicey now where they're not far from being 9 or 10. They're only a game and a half ahead of the Pacers, three and a half games ahead of the Bulls, which looks nice. But remember, they added Vucevic, you know, a big piece for them, a shooter, a big man, something that the Knicks lack. Listen, Norvell Pell is not making the Knicks any better. He's a 12th to 15th man on, you know, any roster. And I know the Knicks did the whole thing uh, talking to the big five and then Randall said the big 15. Well, it's it's pretty thin when you get to the Knicks 10 through 15. So I don't want to hear big 15 when, you know, the back end of that roster is a couple of fringe roster guys. So I, it, it's unfortunate because there's not much you could do in the buyout market. I know Justin Jackson got bought out. Maybe he's a wing you add. They need a shooter. But the buyout market is just so slim, JYD, that I think this might be the roster. And, you know, it's it's frustrating that they didn't really add a piece that's significant because, you know, you want the playoffs so badly. Jake, I can feel it in your voice, man. You're spitting through the microphone, brother. This is where it goes down right here. Dog Pound said it. Mitchell Robinson, man, you can't lose your starting center and expect we were already in a good spot. That showed the promise. That showed the vernacular of this team. We've seen it. Joel Embiid goes down for the Sixers. I mean, have they been playing like a top team? No, they've taken some lumps. And that's a major piece, but they have other pieces, obviously. But we're talking about the Knicks, and that's a major piece for us. Defensively, it doesn't allow Neurals Noel to come in and give us energy off the bench and, you know, give us a – now we have to rely on everything that he has. Taj Gibson, now instead of being a locker room guy, spot minutes here and there, now he's relied upon. These things – have tremendous implications. And when we go to the game, when we review the tape, when we look at what's happening out there, first thing Sal said, offensive rebounds killed us. I mean, offensive rebounds automatically, you look at the bigs. Yes, that's a major component to the game. I was known for getting offensive rebounds. I know that that type of, you know, when a team is deflated, what that means to, you know, getting extra possessions. And then if I'm playing against, playing with a guy like Kyrie Irving, as Brooklyn was last night, he got extra shots. When he makes 53% of those shots, chances are it's going to be tough to beat a team even without their superstars. So it all comes down to the front court. Now, to your point, was there something that they could do? If LaMarcus Aldridge, if Andre Drummond, if they had any interest in the Knicks, heck yeah, would that have helped us? Absolutely. Would that would have given us a little bit more leeway in the playoffs? Absolutely. But since those those guys are hunting down their, their championship ring, it, it's, it's not getting it done. It comes down to our front court right now for playoffs. Our playoff hopes ride upon it. And you look at it where the Knicks are right now, as we mentioned, they, you know, their schedule coming up at the end of April here or the mid-April through the rest of the month before that West Coast trip that producer Jake talked about before that they start in May, which is going to be a difficult one outside of the Houston game. You know, Memphis won't be easy on the on the road. None of these games are easy. Denver, certainly Phoenix, Clippers and then the Lakers. So out of the Houston and Memphis games, you really got to win both those to hope to have a chance down the stretch. But before you get there, you look at where the Knicks are, even though they're sinking a little bit and you could just feel that they're going the wrong way. It's just the whole vibe of the team. 
you know, losing that game to Minnesota, that can't happen earlier last week. They still have a chance here to right the ship. And these next few games at Boston is difficult. Memphis, obviously a game that they should be able to win. Toronto, that's going to be a tough one that they have to win. And the Lakers, who knows what the health situation or everybody's status is going to be in that game. You know, they need to get healthy here over the next couple of weeks. That, that's it. We're running out of time. So they're right in the thick of things, in the standings there with everybody within a game, two games, whatever. I don't think falling out of the 10th spot is realistic to think, even with Chicago with their additions. Still 20 and 28 on the year. That would be a catastrophe if somehow the Knicks fell that far. I think they're good enough. I think they play hard enough. They're determined enough. And they're a solid enough team to keep where they are and and make sure they're going to be battling for one of those top six spots the rest of the way. It's just a matter of if they're going to get it or not. And you hope that somehow they can kind of rebound here and get headed in the right direction and stay healthy. The Mets have given me enough pain one game into this freaking baseball (laughs) season that I can't handle the Knicks missing the freaking playoffs. So they got to step it up, and your boy and your boy's dad should be in the building on Friday at Madison Square Garden. Jake Brown returns to the garden. Feed me a Carnegie Deli pastrami sandwich if you got it. Whatever you're going to feed me, put it in my belly. I'm going to be chanting, let's go Knicks, masks on, you know, vaccinated, all good to go. Can't wait to be back at the garden with my father. Mets home opener Thursday, Knicks Friday. So right this ship, beat the teams you should, and you got to beat 500 teams. You got to go out and beat Memphis Friday. You know, the Celtics are a tough team, but you really got to win this game as well. The Raptors, you got to win. The Lakers, without LeBron, without Anthony Davis. So the Knicks should be able to win three of these next four games, try and right this ship, float around 500, and keep this thing interesting down the stretch. But, you know, the Garden hopefully will be rocking uh, this weekend. Friday, Sunday, Monday. I know Monday's tickets are insanely expensive with the Lakers. You know, you have your your front-runner Laker fans, even though there's no LeBron. And then Sunday, if if your Knicks fans listening trying to go, Sunday's tickets are not expensive. So you could go 75, 80 bucks to the game on Sunday. Come on, Jake. Just the fact that you bring in the smoke right now. I love the pastrami whole throw in, man. You, you're getting me excited and, and just to go to the garden that I can't be there. But I feel like with that energy level, Jake, I can live through you, man. The dog pound can survive through your energy because that's the type of energy these Knicks going to need to get these playoff wins to get over the hump. But I do agree with Sal. I cannot see them slipping the 10. I can't see it, you know, even given the situation because the Bulls would have to have a serious turnaround in order to take that spot over. We got it. We got we got to beat the teams that are necessary. Any team that's at 500, we have to beat. And that's why last night hurt because they had a chance to steal one back, right? If they beat the Nets, even though the way that it played out without Harden, it's not the full strength Nets, and that's a game where the Knicks could win, and they were close again, but they had a chance to steal one and make up for the Minnesota loss, and that's what's going to have to happen. If you don't beat the teams that you're supposed to beat, then you have to find some wins against the teams you're not supposed to beat, and they fell short in doing that. I'm not going to the Garden. I probably won't be able to go this year. You know, my wife's due soon, so I'm probably, I didn't get the vaccine or uh, the test and all that stuff, so... I'm probably not going to be able to go, Producer Jake, which is unfortunate because I'd love to go uh, to a game this year. I mean, never say never, but we're running out of time here. But I do want to take you back to a time where I was going to the Garden regularly. And one day in particular that stands out in my memory, I'll give you that, a little Sal story. Plus, we'll get into a, a doghouse story. That's coming up as well. But next, Sal story right here on Big Apple Buckets.
So back in, I should remember the day exactly, and maybe we could uh, look this up at some point, but back in the early 2000s, let's say, I don't know if it was 2000, 2001, John Starks made his return to the Garden as a member of the Golden State Warriors. And I remember, you know, Starks is my guy. I love John Starks. I remember going to the game with my buddy Andy Powers, who is a huge Knicks fan and a big listener. JYD is a big fan of yours as well. He listens. And by the way, Andy, if you haven't already, write a nice review, please, and rate us. It takes two seconds. We, we could use the help. Anyway, so I'm there with my buddy Andy Powers. I'm wearing my Warrior Starks jersey. That's always been a thing for me. Whatever. When Ewing returns or Messier returns to the Garden or Piazza returns to City Field, I was always, or Shea Stadium at the time, I should say, with Piazza. I always loved going there for those return games. And this was a big one for me, being that Starks was my guy. So we're there early, me and Andy, in the building at the Garden. Um, blue seats, but not the 400 level. And a group, a couple people come up to us before the game and say, hey, would you like to attempt to shoot free throws at halftime for a chance to win a car? And of course, they don't do it to me. It's my buddy Andy. So I'm sitting there on my Stark jersey, ready to go. I want to knock down some free throws, hit that three. But no, Andy gets to go. Anyway, midway through the second quarter, they come up, they get us, they take us down inside the tunnel at the garden. And I'm thinking, this is unbelievable. I'm inside the tunnels at the world's most famous arena. I mean, all these players that I grew up watching and legends come in and out of this tunnel, Willis Reed. I mean, you name it. So I'm in there in the tunnel waiting with my buddy Andy and whoever's working from the garden. And then I look over and see the Nick City dancers. I went to high school with one of them, Gigi Marshawn. Now, I didn't say anything to her. We weren't really close, but I looked at her. I was like, this is bizarre. What's going on here, Gigi? I mean, we went to high school together. You're a Nick City dancer. I had no idea. Maybe I should have been more aggressive in high school. Anyway, so we see Gigi there. Andy's getting ready to go on the court. They take him out there. Mike Piazza is sitting center court, front row, blonde hair and all. Remember when he had that? Producer Jake, you remember. Remember Piazza had that? So he's sitting there. Andy, who knows I'm a big Met fan, and he's a Yankee fan, so he's a Met hater, points was going, look, Sal, it's Piazza. I'm going, Andy, will you look at that? I mean, knock down these free throws, bro. You got some pressure on you. He hit, I think, I think it was you had to hit one free throw to get a shot at the three. He hit the one free throw, missed the three-pointer, uh, and the rest is history. But it was a great memory. Only time that's ever happened to me, and it didn't even happen to me. It just happened to the guy I went with, my buddy Andy Powers. So we fell short, but it was a great experience and a great story that, that I just remember from my heydays as a fan going to the garden to see my guy Starks return as a member of the Warriors. Yeah, that's a special moment when you're here. That's like, you know, when Piazza was my hero, like you said, when he made his return. I think it was 1999, actually. I was just looking it up. It looked like he was on the Warrior. He left the Knicks in 98, came back. I guess it was the 98-99 season, um, and that's when it went down. I had a situation, you know, in, in response to that where I shot at the garden. I showed you guys the video, and my God. So basically, you know, you go down. I had Ben's Deli before. Talk about pastrami. Ben's Deli is the king of pastrami. You got Cat's Deli. You got Ben's Deli. Big-ass pastrami sandwiches. You got Carnegie Deli, of course, which closed down, unfortunately, due to the pandemic, uh, which is the legendary spot. So ate a lot. Had a matzo ball soup. Not a good idea. Sounds Man, like excuses. I had a few drinks. I don't remember. Yeah. And I was 250, just fat, overweight. And, uh, you know, this night helped me turn my health life around in some senses, at least for like a month where I lost 20 pounds after that. Uh, so I go down and it's a skills contest. So it's me and this dude slimmer than me. I already knew I was in trouble. He was in better shape. And I thought I was going to get practice. I was told I might get some practice. No practice. 
hadn't shot a ball in a year and a half, two years maybe, and it's a skills contest. And I'm like, oh no, this involves me running. Me running is a sight for sore eyes. So it's it's Watch basically out there now, Jake. Yeah, it was really ugly. So you basically had to go around the cones. I think dribble around the cones, then make a layup. I think I missed the first layup, which was already bad. He made the first. I made the second layup. He had the head start. Then is you running up the floor to shoot the three. And this is the video that they don't show is me running up the floor, you know, dribbling. I had a hat on. By the way, in the pregame to that is they give me a shirt that was not my size. Clearly <laughs> too small. It was either a medium or large, and I'm an XL pushing double XL. And uh, it was so tight on me. I know I'm making a lot of excuses here, but I had a long sleeve shirt under it. So I had to put this tight ass shirt over the long sleeve shirt. And I'm already like, this is going to end poorly. So I'm running up, you know, need an ox- oxygen. There's no emergency EMS there to save me. He's already starting shooting. I start chucking. Oh man, the third shot is still in orbit. The fourth shot, the leg kick, you could look it up and, you know, well, I don't want to post the video. It's been out there. I had half a million views. The third shot, my leg kick on the side was weird it was an air ball the fourth shot you know went above the backboard never landed and then like the eighth or ninth shot he finally made and put me out of my misery and before i even got to my seat the video was on bleacher report mba's twitter before i even returned to the seat i'm like who took this professional video and why is it online and then SMY who I was working for at the time writing Knicks blogs they said if the Knicks want to keep tanking they should sign this guy and I quote tweeted like well thanks guys yeah that was my uh my moment of fame on on the garden floor that turned into embarrassment but the good news is I got a $250 footlocker gift card which I used to buy a couple of basketball sneakers and get some tuna sandwiches and salmon to start losing a a dollar for each pound for you producer man did you I mean I hope you went and got some smooth kicks after that because you had a lot of scuff marks i just checked out the video and the way your legs were kicking up brother you was landing like michael jackson on your tippy toes it was serious business going on at the garden that day but that shows why you made it as a producer in sports talk radio because you had a twist going on with your with your with your with the side angle of your shot you best be talking about basketball rather than playing it jake i see it man that's just the way dog pound sees i call it straight i I played and wrecked my whole life i mean not the like a town league and i wasn't terrible but i guess because i hadn't played in like two years uh yeah i'm sorry miss jackson this one was for real jyd rank that form you guys got to see the video it is it is as bad as it sounds jyd one to ten what would you rank his shooting form in that video man and listen, when I saw that form, right, I started saying to myself, Bo Outlaw was an all-star with his jump shot, okay? And if anybody knows, but that's a throwback. Throwback to my boy, Bo Outlaw. I remember Outlaw. Bo Outlaw, yeah. Bo Outlaw's jump shot, brother, that was probably the most broke that I've seen since Cartwright's jumper. But Jake, he brought it to another level, man. The side angle twist with the Michael Jackson kick, that's pretty serious, man. That had that had some uh, that had me going right there. That's the best way to shot. Clank. Second off the backboard, Clank. Third shot went above the backboard, never landed. Fourth shot, air ball. My leg kicked out. Fifth shot. You were flailing, flailing all over the place. Light. That's the best part. Forget the result of the shot. Your legs, you, the way you were jumping, doing everything you possibly could to muster the strength to get that ball. To Sal, Sal, this is, what I, this is what I see. From a scouting standpoint, first of all, he wasn't even looking at what what happened to the ball after it left his hand. He was already reaching for the next ball. That right there just told me he's like, he's like, I'm just so focused on getting as many shots up as I can, and hopefully one of them will go in. Not even focusing on the rim. Jake, you got to focus on the rim, my brother. 
What's crazy is the one that almost went in was due to his ball hitting mine. It almost banked in because of him. It would have been a, a miracle. It would have been a sports center top 10 if the ball went in because of my opponent. So, uh, yeah, never again. Time to go inside the doghouse this week. JYD, what do you got for us? I got, I'm, I'm just going to focus on playoff basketball. Okay, Sal, because this is where people and fans kind of like want to get into the head of their favorite NBA legend to see what they actually had to go through during this time. Now, I was playing in 2001, 2002 with the Raptors. Now, we just came off a season of making it to the playoffs, beating the Knicks, and now we're in season two. We're floating. We've signed Akeem Olajuwon. We got Dell Curry, you know, Vince Carter, Keon Clark, everybody's back. But then we were hit with that injury bug. Vince Carter goes down, right? Alvin Williams is in and out of the lineup. Antonio Davis is kind of struggling a little bit. And now we're in a playoff battle. So we had gotten so far out of the playoffs that we had 17 games left on our schedule. We had to win 50. 15 out of 17 games in order to make it to the playoffs. We had to be two games over 500, and obviously some teams had to win, lose, but basically to even have a chance, we had to win 15 out of 17 games. We come in the locker room, and Lenny Wilkins says, look, guys, I know we've lost 15 out of the last 20 games. We have injuries. We've had guys on 10-day contracts, but I believe in you guys. I know once we start getting a few of our starters back, meaning Antonio, Alvin, we're going to make the playoffs. And, you know, you started looking at the guys in the locker room and there's no Vince Carter. He's not coming back for the you know season. And we're saying to ourselves, you know what? I think there's enough talent in this room to make the playoffs. And we start taking it one game at a time. And we start clipping people. Win, 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 win. Six, seven game winning streak. And I'm saying to myself, hold on, guys. This is possible, right? In my mind. But we still, you know, you're going to hit some playoff teams that you're going to have to play. And we won some games. We did lose those two, but now we got to bring it home. We played Cleveland last game of the season. And I know, I know my producers, Jake and Brian, they're on it. They're on, they're on it right now. They're getting up the stats. Look at JYD's stats on this particular night. Going up against Cleveland Cavaliers in a must-win situation, okay? Yeah, got to win it. But you got to win it in a fashion that lets people know you're here for business, not here playing around. We smoked them. Gave them a whole bunch of smoke juice, had the dog pound rocking, right? 22, I don't know what kind of double-double it was, but I know I'm shooting 60% from the field. And I'm saying to myself, Vince Carter who? You got JYD, <laughs> right? There's no, there's, no, there's no problems here. I think uh, Morris Peterson shot like 17 shots. You know, he was he was putting them up. He was hoping for the best, but it was dog pound, man. I was cleaning up those misses. I was doing what I do. And that's what playoff basketball is all about. Playing your role, but making it for your team. Doing what you have to do. Defending, rebounding, and getting buckets. We made the playoffs that year. Ended up losing to Detroit Pistons, who ended up winning the championship. And a two out of two out of five. We won two out of five situation. They had game five in Detroit. We won't talk about who was reffing the game. But the whole point of the matter was Dog Pound came to wreck shop. That's what it is. That's what I want my Knicks to really focus on right now. Whatever you need to do to win, 
You got to do it. That's what it is. Get in the playoffs. Get that feeling back. Get your mojo. Get your swag. Give the city something to dream about so we can go into next year saying to ourselves, look, we're a playoff team. That's dog pound, man. If I'm looking at the right game, JYD, 103-85, April 17th, 2002, you guys will to go 42 and 40 to finish the season i believe that is and in, in your numbers that night you played 40 minutes you went 7 11 from the field 8 of 10 from the free throw line 22 points 12 boards three steals and a block damn J-Y-D. come on man see what i'm saying these are the stats that people don't hear about right is where see brian you're getting flustered i know that's right you seeing the julius randall numbers that's what the dog pound was about. We getting it done. It's playoff time. How many jumpers, JYD, were in there? Man, I don't even know. <laughs> but I know goodness well. They were looking better than our producer Jake's jump shot. <laughs> I had a smooth stroke. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to rip you, JYD, for something. You want to rip me. I'm looking at your career stats. You were one for 26 from the three-point line, which is almost my percentage if I if I got it to a few more attempts. How the hell do you JYD, who let you shoot 25 threes? I mean, what was going on there? Hey, just so I let you guys understand, every three I shot except for two were either at the end of the buzzer, shot clock, or half court, just to be factual. Because I was playing in roll basketball back in the day, right? And in roll basketball, you don't take things outside of your role unless it's like the, the bomb is getting ready to go off. Like there's no other option. And that's what I was doing. So I wasn't actually trying to make the shot. Of course, I was trying to make the shot, but it wasn't like something premeditated. Like here, I'm taking this shot. It's a three. Let me let me warm up the shot. No. And to that point, let me just take you back. Okay. Since you want to bring up my stats, when I was shooting threes, okay, Phoenix Suns, NBA Summer League, I went three for four from three and scored 42 points. So when they said, here's the ball, JYD, do what you will, gave them 42, Jake, three for four from three. Because I went into the game saying, they've given JYD the green light. They saying, shoot whatever you feel like shooting. JYD, sadly for you, those stats are as irrelevant as, as my Foot Locker competition. Never that, brother. If you playing in an NBA game, I don't care. If it's summer league, preseason, you put up a 40-piece, it's a 40-piece that goes into the record books. Do you remember the one you hit? playing against NBA talent. JYD, you remember the one you hit? I mean, you had the one three that's on your record in the NBA. Do you remember it or no? Was it a heave? Was it a regular three? He banked it in, guaranteed. Man, I have no idea when I hit that three. <laughs> that's how irrelevant it was. <laughs> it was 2002-2003 with the Raptors, so it was in that season. So I don't know if that – It was uh, with the Raptors? Boy- Oh, yeah, I bet it was because you know why? Because they were the first team to tell me, shoot when you feel, JYD. If you don't shoot, we're taking you out the game. I was like, man, what kind of, you going to take me out if I don't shoot? This is a great team. Unleash the hound. Let the dog Unleash free. the dog, man. Yeah. I was letting it fly. That season you were one for six, so your percentage wasn't terrible because you only attempted six. So There, there you, go. you go. There you go. It's not It's not respectable, respectable, but, hey, at least I hit one. Hey, I gave, I gave Tracy McGrady 30. Let's talk about that. 
when we do the steak dinner, we're going to shoot 25 threes and see who makes more. He's going to win, but I want to see if I make any. And uh, if I go one for 26 or one for 25 and shoot 4%, I will be very happy. Loser, loser buys. You could do Jake, that. I will shoot. If we shoot 25, I'll shoot 10 with my eyes closed. Whoa, he's dropping. Look at JYD. That just, hey, <laughs> I'll shoot 10, Brian, with my eyes closed. Hope Welcome for the, to the best. NBA. Yeah. Oh man, I'm, I'm scared. This is this has to happen. We'll have video footage of this. Actually, no. Let's get video of JYD, not me, because then it'll, it'll end up somewhere on the internet. And embarrassing. <laughs> That does it for us for episode 40, the Kurt Thomas edition. Always one of my favorites, Kurt Thomas. Kurt Thomas edition of Big Apple Buckets, our New York Knicks podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Brian Mungia for producing the show. Give Big Apple Buckets a five-star rating and write a nice review on Apple Podcasts. It's easy. It's free. We appreciate it. Come on, help us out. For JYD, Jerome Williams, I'm Sal Akata. Chat with you guys next Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in every week. We really do appreciate it. Stay safe. Let's go Knicks.